Good morning, 1030. How are you doing this morning? Good to see you. Oh, I like it. It's good. Uh, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching online, I'm so glad that you've carved out the time to connect with God, to grow in a relationship with God, to explore what it even means to have a relationship with God. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City, and I'm so, so grateful for this church. It's always a gamble following Phil because he's a tough act to follow, and then I always got to do a little cleanup afterwards. So uh, <laughs> ignore some of the things Phil said in that last <laughs> section. It's tough to follow, but also necessary uh, to follow. So, so uh, I'm so, so glad you're here. Uh, we have, I've been wanting to uh, talk about what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks for a long time, over a year now. I kind of dreamed about us having this spiritual conversation for the next couple of weeks, and I am so excited for how God has, in his perfect timing, uh, made this weekend that we get to kick it off and who we get to hear from uh, this weekend. So before we get to uh, the message, we're going to do something we regularly do here. We're going to respond to God's goodness in our life by giving back to him. Uh, when we get that shift, it's a fundamental shift. When we get that what we have in life is a gift from God, that it's given to us by a good and generous and gracious God, then there's something that we have to answer is, well, how do I respond? How do I respond to God's goodness in my life? One of the ways that we do that is by giving back of our resources to him, to saying yes to what God is doing in and through this church. And one of the things, I tell you this all the time, I love about this church is you are some of the most courageous and generous people I know. I, I am consistently, Jeannie and I are consistently blown away by your faith and generosity. You have no idea the impact of your little act of faith of trusting God with your resources. You have no idea what God is doing in and through this church because of that. So three ways you can give. Our uh, volunteers are going to come forward in a moment to do the old school way where you can just drop it in the bucket. If you like the sound of paper on plastic, you can do that. Uh, you can text in to give. The number's on the screen behind me. And then you can sign up to give online. And I want to encourage you to do that. That's how Jeannie and I give. It's how the majority of our church gives. We set it up so we don't mess it up. That's what we always say. We set it up so we don't mess it up. And so that's a great way for you to give as well. But I'm going to invite our amazing host team to come forward now to give you a chance to respond to God's goodness. And as they do, I wanted to kind of set you up for the conversation we're going to have today. As Phil mentioned, I think every one of us could raise our hand a hundred times to life feeling full or overwhelmed or exhausting at times. And it's incredible to consider uh, the lengths that we'll go to try and get some order or some sanity back in our everyday lives. Personally, I have invested in counseling and therapy for many, many, many years. I have gone to conferences to try and help get my life back in order and get some margin in my life. I've read a ton of books on it, listened to a ton of podcasts. I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to get my time back. Isn't that funny how we can do that? A lot of money trying to figure out how to order my life. And what we're going to be looking at for the next two weeks is actually the greatest resource you have available to you to reclaiming your life. And it doesn't cost you a thing. In fact, it's actually a gift from God. And as we're going to look at today, it's more than just a gift from God. It's an invitation from God. And even, in fact, a commandment of God. The greatest resource you have to regain control of your life is rest. And what we're going to look at is blessed rest, how God actually blesses you resting and trusting in him. And I am so excited today to kick off this series with someone who I love and respect uh, we are going to hear from one of our spiritual directors and mentors, Ruth Haley Barton. Ruth has uh, been in our life for oh, some 20 years now. 
in me and Jeannie's life. We have read many of her books. Our staff has read her books. Our elders have read her books. We love the work that she is doing in the world. Both Jeannie and I have been a part of the Transforming Center, which we're going to talk to you about in just a little bit. And beyond all of that, uh, Ruth practices what she preaches. She is an example to follow. And I want to encourage you to get something to write down because what is going to come out of this time, I already saw in the last gathering, is powerful transformational stuff to help you regain, reorder your life. So, Soul City Church, will you help me welcome our friend and mentor, Ruth Haley Barton. Hello, Ruth. It's again. good to see you again. I saw you five minutes ago. That's right. It's good to see you again. Just hug all three yeah, times. We just, It'll just yeah. be fun. Yeah, it's fun that way. No yeah. problem with that. So, um, Ruth, we've known each other for, for many, many years. We worked together at a church yeah, when Jean and I were just mm-hmm. starting out in church work. We worked together for a season there. I've told a story. I wrote about it in my last book, actually, how my very first spiritual retreat, like silent, go away with God retreat, uh, Ruth led. And I went kicking and screaming and did not think I was going to enjoy it and was very grateful for it. And since then, she's led me on many of those. You've written a ton of books. Uh, We have several in the Resource Center. Let me just do a little shameless plug here. Um, Sacred Rhythms is one that I read years ago that this was, for me, like, I want this life with God. I want to live this kind of life with God. And uh, also uh, there, amongst others, is your most recent book, Invitation uh, to retreat, I was very honored, humbled and honored to be able to endorse this book. And this is a great read if you were wanting to go deeper into how to get away with God. Uh, so we have, you've written books, you speak all over the place. Uh, you, you are a leader through the Transforming Center. Tell us just real quickly about the Transforming Center so people understand uh, what that is. Transforming Center is a ministry that enables pastors, leaders, anybody who's trying to make a connection between their soul and their leadership to strengthen the soul of their leadership so their leadership emerges and flows out of their relationship with God that comes from the depths of our being. So whatever kind of leader you are, to connect soul with leadership, I think is a great desire that many of us as leaders have, and it's what we exist to um, to empower and to facilitate. Yeah, it's just over two year. Yeah, program. well, it, yeah. Part of what we do is the transforming community experience, which takes place over 27 months. Right. A cohort of leaders commit themselves to each other and to God to journey together over nine retreats, 27 months. So it's a significant commitment, and we call it an immersion experience yeah. in leadership transformation. Yeah, I mean, so just so you get how much we love Ruth and how impactful she is in our church, uh, the name of the building that you are in is called the Transformation mm-hmm. Center. So hopefully there won't be legal issues with Ruth being here today because we pretty much stole the name from her. Uh, so aside from all that you are doing in the world, tell us just a little bit about who you are and, yeah. and beyond what Thank you do, you. who you yeah. are. Well, I'm a mom and I'm a wife, a grandmother. I have a very full family life, actually, um, aging parents even. So many of you are probably in those stages as well. So that's a really big part of who I am is how I'm present within my family. Um, I'm a spiritual director, and really pretty much everything I do emerges out of that passion, out of that calling. Um, A spiritual director is someone who's trained, practiced, gifted, I I guess, in in just paying attention to the Holy Spirit and being with other people in such a way that they too can recognize the Holy Spirit in their lives and say yes to God's invitations. And so there's always that part of me uh, awake and alert and at work in in any situation. I love it. And Mm -hmm. live not far from We live right here locally in Wheaton, Illinois. So we've been here. My husband and I went to Wheaton College, and we've been here ever since. That's awesome. So, So, Ruth, you are a voice, if not an advocate, for sacred rhythms, rhythms of rest blessed rest like we're talking about 
in this series, and you write about it, you speak about it, you help others experience it, but it wasn't, that wasn't always the case for you. There sort of came a moment where you realized, okay, there has to be another way than the way you were going. Why don't you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Well, I often joke about the fact that I'm an overachiever in every way, including the fact that I burned out early. I burned out in my 30s, early 30s. Most people wait until they're 38 or 42 or 55, but no, I did it when I was in my early 30s. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Um, appreciate that affirmation. Um, and, you know, at that point, I am a pastor's kid, and I've been involved in vocational church work for all of my life. And um, in my early 30s, I'd been, you know, functioning at a, at a high level for about 10 years already and came to this point where I realized that even though my little star might have been rising, that inside there was chaos, inside there were questions that I didn't have any time, space, safety to pay attention to, mm. emotions that I could sometimes manage, but I couldn't always control them. Mm. And, and even a performance-oriented drivenness, even though I wouldn't have known how to put that into words at the time, it really was a drivenness. It was a compulsion around work and vocation and um, an over-identification with what I could do in the world and proving myself in and through what I could do. Mm. And so I couldn't name it, but I knew that something was really off because I wasn't living well. I wasn't living well in my body, wasn't living well within my family. I felt like the intimacy that I had experienced with God when I first... Uh, came to know Christ, was missing, mm. um, and, and definitely, you know, you know, I was on a treadmill that I couldn't step off of, and, mm. and it was serious, I think. I, was, I felt like I was on the edge of, of some sort of a crisis, and so at that mm. point, someone who was watching my journey, we mm. all need people like that, right, yeah. especially um, in our younger years where we're not sure what's going on, yeah. um, someone noticed what I was going through and actually mm. suggested a spiritual director, and at that time, I didn't know what one of those ones was, and no one else around me knew what one of those was. Um, but I eventually learned that a spiritual director is someone who's more well-versed in the ways of the soul than we are, someone who's practiced in paying attention to the Holy Spirit and helping us to pay attention, someone who can give support for these mm -hmm. courageous and risky mm -hmm. invitations that God gives to us as we get quiet and hear him. And so it was in my work with a spiritual director that she started to help me to identify what was really going on and what yeah. was driving my lifestyle and how I could incorporate some new spiritual practices that would help me to be healthier. Yeah, and it was significant enough that it wasn't just sort of trying to fit this way of life right. with God mm -hmm. into the margins. Mm -hmm. You had to make a pretty yeah. courageous choice out of this yeah. crisis mm -hmm. that you were up against. Yeah. I actually stepped away from my life in vocational ministry, um, stepped off that treadmill for a couple years. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the scariest things I've ever yeah. done because I was actually stepping away from my identity. I was yeah. stepping away from who I thought I was. And if I were to sit with some of you today and to ask you if you knew, if you know who you are apart from what you do, mm. I wonder what you would say. Because many of us aren't really aware of the fact that we identify ourselves almost wholly by yeah, who, what, what we, we do. do and we don't know who we are. So when there are these moments in our lives when we're needed, when we're invited by God or whether, where it's actually necessary for us to step away from our doing, many of us actually are panicked and afraid mm. because we don't know who we are outside mm. of our doing. So I would say that that was probably the scariest thing I've ever done is to step away from my identity as a doer so that God and I could have more uninterrupted time without that compulsiveness that was driving me at yeah. the time. So the work that you began to do out of that mm -hmm. crisis, that pulling away, that reorienting your life, mm -hmm then became the work that you gave yourself to in the world in a really focused and directed way. And I wonder if you could talk with us, with us a little bit about how this idea of living in a sacred rhythm and rest with God isn't just a good idea. It's actually mm -hmm. 
fundamentally biblical. Yes. It's yeah. woven mm-hmm. all throughout the story of God. Mm-hmm. It's a deeply spiritual practice. So talk to us a little yeah. bit about that. Well, I think uh, whenever we want to know what really matters um, to our spirituality, we have to look at the big themes of Scripture. And as Jarrett mm-hmm. mentioned, the idea of rest is a theme throughout Scripture woven all the way through from the very beginning, Genesis 1, God in the midst of God's creative work decided to work six days and then rest on the seventh. So this idea of rest, of establishing sane rhythms of work and rest, begins with God. That's a part of who God is. Mm-hmm. And when we engage in sane rhythms of work and rest, we are actually participating in God's nature. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. We're actually participating in God's nature. Yeah. So then when God began to establish a people for himself, a chosen people, the Israelites, he actually gave them the gift of Sabbath out of who he was, out of who he is. It's not something that's associated with one culture or one tradition or another. It actually begins with God. And so that became a part of their national identity was the fact that they worked six days and rested on the seventh. And then in the book of Isaiah, there's this amazing passage where God is describing a a rebellious people, people who go their own way, people who make their own alliances, people who have their own priorities, people who run the other way when God calls in Mm -hmm. Isaiah 30. And then there's these magnificent verses that say, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. Mm -hmm. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Mm -hmm. So we might say, return to what? Return to who? Well, return to God. Mm. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like being quiet. It looks Mm. like learning to rest ourselves in God and to gain our confidence from God and who God is in the depths of our being, rather than thinking that everything falls on our shoulders to accomplish. And then what emerges from that place is this quietness and confidence that keeps us from having to be so compulsive Mm. about all of our doing. And in, in quietness and in confidence is where our strength literally comes from. So, and what do we need to be saved from? That's another question that emerges to me from that verse. What do we need to be saved from? So many things, right? Mm -hmm. I need to be saved from my own inner compulsions, right? I need to be saved from distraction. From myself. From myself and my own patterns that keep me on this treadmill. I need to be saved from life and my culture. You know, there are things that happen in our culture that aren't necessarily that good for us as human beings. So I need to be saved. And I need to be saved every day. Mm. So in quietness and confidence shall be our strength. In returning Mm. and rest you shall be saved. A major theme of the Old Testament. Then we get into the New Testament and Jesus picks up the thread because it's such an important theme. And in Mark 6, a very interesting passage, we've got these brand new disciples people who have just begun to follow Jesus, people who will be the the future leaders of the church. They just don't know it yet. Mm. Um, And Jesus sends them out to do work in his name, to cast out demons, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick. And they do that, and they do it with power. And they come back to Jesus wanting to tell him all that they had said and done. It's really exciting, energized moment, you know? Jesus, you can't believe what's going on out there. I, I gave the altar call, and everybody came forward. You can't believe what's going on out there. I spoke to the demon and the demon left. You cannot believe what it's like out there. I spoke to that person who was ill and they were healed. It's the most amazing stuff. So they're clearly energized and excited about all that they're doing in Jesus' name, through Jesus' power. They're not doing anything wrong. They're doing everything mm-hmm. right. And then Jesus says to them immediately, hey, that's, that's great, but <laughs> come away with me and rest a while. Yeah. What's happening there? Jesus is training up these new disciples, and the first thing he wants to teach them is how to have sane rhythms of work and rest. Because even our passions can wear us out. Amen? Yes. Even the things we're passionate about and love can wear us out. Yes. 
And so Jesus is saying, right here, right now, I'm going to teach you this rhythm, sane rhythms of work and rest. And by the way, I'm not going to give this to some underling to teach you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to stick with you on this lesson until you learn it. So there you've got Jesus picking up the theme. And then in Hebrews 4, the writer of the Hebrews says that the invitation to rest is still available, still mm -hmm. open to the people of God. Mm -hmm. When you hear that invitation, do not harden your hearts. Do not be disobedient because this invitation, this beautiful gift of rest is there for us even now, even today. Don't harden your hearts when you hear it. So all the way throughout yeah. scripture, beginning to end, this is a theme. Very uh, clear scripture. and very Absolutely. consistent. I don't know how we let ourselves off this hook. Do you, well, Jared? I don't, I don't personally yeah. don't, but I, <laughs> as someone who struggles with this myself, yeah. I, you know, to actually give myself the gift of what's been commanded, what's yeah. been created for me. I seem to find a thousand other yeah. things to do other than rest. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if you can talk with us for a second about if it's so, it is actually really clear throughout the Bible. It's modeled by God, yeah. modeled by Jesus, talked about why is it so hard for us to do this? Or why do we make it so hard yeah. to actually receive the gift of rest that God has mm -hmm. for us? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons. Uh, the first one is my own confession. Like this is my confession. Um, the first one is grandiosity personal grandiosity. What will happen to the world if I'm not working seven days a week? Mm. Will people know what to do? Right. We'll will stuff keep getting done? Right. You know, like if we're not, if we're not in there working really hard, maybe the whole thing will fall it apart. Yep. You know? So there's this grandiosity that says I'm too important to the functioning of the world uh, to let go for a while. And mm. so there's a kind of personal grandiosity that we have. Um, also, I think that we fail to trust God. Yeah. I think um, resting rhythms have so much to do with doing what is ours to do and then trusting God to do the rest. And in fact, in the Israelite journey, that was what it was about for them. Did they trust God that if they, if they collected manna on the six days, would God show up and take care of them on the seventh? Mm. So I think many of us don't trust God. We think it's all up to me, and I have to work seven days, 24 hours a day, because otherwise I can't. I, I don't know where my livelihood is going mm. to come from, where my life is going to come mm. from. So I think trust and a lack of trust in God and God's goodness to us and God's ability to care for us is really fundamental in terms of why we don't say yes to this gift. And then the third one, I would say, is drivenness and distraction. So many of us are so driven in our work, driven in what we're trying to accomplish, how we're trying to make a difference in the world, the ways we're trying to shore up our identity by mm -hmm. doing, doing, doing and being successful, mm -hmm. that we're so driven that we just cannot take our foot off the gas pedal yeah. uh, because we are driven to all sorts of external successes. And of course, then there's also the idea of distraction. I think that our mm -hmm. drivenness for many of us actually distracts us from what's going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. So if I stop, if I rest, the first thing that might happen is that I get kind of uncomfortable because I have to face the great unfixables in my life, yeah. the things that I'm wondering about, the questions that I have that I don't have answers to, yeah. the sadness that's unresolved. And what if I touch that sadness? I might start crying and never stop. I might right. not ever function again if right. I really touch my sadness. Right. Or what about my anger and my resentment? Man, if I go to that place, I might just have to go out and hit somebody, right. you know, and that won't be good for anybody. Right. So, I mean, I think there's all sorts of things inside that we distract ourselves from by staying so busy. I think we're afraid on some level yeah. to, to, you know, let the distract distractions go and be present to what's happening. Yeah, I think that, I want to touch on that a little bit. That idea of distractions, I think, my own confession mm -hmm. time now, for me, 
I can view uh, distractions or numbing out. I can substitute that as rest. I can mm-hmm. say, well, this is, this is just rest. You know, I'm going to watch this Netflix series. And then, like, not, I didn't say episode. I meant series um, <laughs> tonight. You know, because this is, just helps me come down. I'm just going to relax. And then I, what ends up happening is I watch it too late. And then I'm mm-hmm. actually physically exhausted the next right. day. Mm-hmm. Or I can be on my phone and totally distracted and tell myself, well, this is just how I come down. It's just mm-hmm. the end of the day. It's harmless. It's not that big of a deal. Or it's just over lunch break. Or it's just in the middle of this meeting. Or whatever it may be. <laughs> you know, and so I can, I can substitute distraction with rest. But you, what you yeah. were just saying there is there's a real difference between yeah, the two. Absolutely. You talk about that for a second. Yeah. Well, I'd like to introduce another word for distraction, which is a little bit more uncomfortable for us, and that is the word escapism. Ooh, I like distraction. Yeah, I know you do. But we're going to talk about escapism. (laughs) I want to hurt someone a little Um, bit more. Escapism is literally trying to escape from my life, right? And there are many ways that we escape. And I think there's more ways now than ever because of technology, which is really unnerving. And I'm very concerned about the next generation because I don't know how they're going to learn how how to let go of those distractions. But anyway... um, so distractions or escapism are usually things that we feel like we don't have to bring any energy to it, and so it feels very inviting. Mm. But escapist behaviors don't give us anything back, yeah. right? Nobody gets to the end of a night of binging on Netflix and says, I am so glad I did that. I feel so refreshed and replenished. No. You know, No one feels no. that way because no. it doesn't replenish you. It actually drains you in another way. But when we're dangerously tired, and that's another bit of language, when we're dangerously tired, we feel like we don't have the energy to do anything life-giving, to choose mm-hmm. something that's life-giving. So what would the life-giving behaviors be? Well, things like spending some time with your spouse or getting on the floor and playing with your children, um, actually getting out and maybe doing something active like mm-hmm. jogging or biking or you know a pickup game of basketball or something like that where your body actually gives you endorphins. When mm-hmm. you engage physically like that, God mm-hmm. has a gift for us in our bodies and that gift is called endorphins mm-hmm. and you get energy from doing good things in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's calling a friend that you haven't talked to for a long time because you have felt too busy and too tired, but that friend is a life-giving friend to you. And so you choose a life-giving activity. Um, maybe if you're an artist or a musician, it's to get to spend time with your music or with your art. Um, all sorts of activities that God gives us that are life-giving for us. But when Mm. we're dangerously tired, we feel like we can't show up for those. Mm. So we choose distraction, whether it's technology, whether it is Netflix, whether it's um, it could be anything, food. shopping, food, uh, pornography, fantasy novels. All of those things are escapist sorts of behaviors that keep us distracted from what's really going on inside. And they do not give us anything. They don't give us yeah. life. They don't give us energy. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, they take they away. Drain they, they drain it. They drain it from That's us. That's the truth. I mean, for me, I can tell you, if I get lost in a Instagram, yeah. you know, zone and I'm, oh, this is... What ends up happening inevitably yeah. is I'm watching everyone else's life Rather than living and it's own. only a matter of time that I'm going to feel jealous or insecure yes. about mine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not only, I'm not breaking even with that time. I'm actually coming out with less yeah. than I went in. Isn't it? So it's like, it promises like, oh yeah, yeah this is great. Just, yeah. But it usually ends up, leaves us with little to nothing right. in return. Mm-hmm. I, just real quick, Ruth, you said a phrase there dangerously tired, like Mm -hmm. 60 seconds, unpacked, dangerously tired. Did you all know that there's a difference between good tired and dangerously tired, that there are two kinds of tired? 
So good tired is how you feel when you've, you know, after a job well done, yeah, you've left it all tired. in the field, you've used your spiritual gifts, you've felt God meet you there. Um, it's an initiative that is over after a time and you know what to do with yourself afterwards. You go back and you practice Sabbath and you, you know, you know how to be replenished. But dangerously tired is the kind of tired we get when we just keep going and going and going and we never rest and replenish within. And since we live in Tornado Alley and we're in the midst of tornado season, we could say that dangerously tired is very different than the, than the experience of a normal rain. Because a normal rain, the clouds get heavy, they get dark, it rains, the sky's blue again. But with tornado warnings, the sky gets different. It's green and it's heavy and it gets eerily quiet. And we realize, oh, I better do something about this. I better get to the basement or something mm -hmm. like that because it's dangerous. So I think good tired is like the normal pattern of rain um, where things clear up after the rain happens. But dangerously tired is a whole lot more like the precursor to a tornado. We know we better do something different or else we're going to be in danger. And so dangerously tired is something that accumulates over time. Yeah. And, and so it's a, it's a subtle thing. We don't even know it's happening. In fact, there's a little continuum that you could picture your life in where on this end of the continuum, you're refreshed and replenished in the middle, good tired, and on the other side, dangerously tired. And healthy people are living in this part mm -hmm. of the continuum. You leave it all in the field, you do a great job, but you know how to replenish yourself. You're living in sacred rhythm, so you come back to a place of replenishment. Mm -hmm. There you are, you're able to leave it all in the field again, and you're living in this part of the continuum. When you don't have sacred rhythms of work and rest in your life, you are going to eventually start just inching over towards dangerously tired. And dangerously tired is where people are when they, they experience a catastrophic failure. Yeah when they look at their lives and they say, I don't want to do this anymore, can't do this anymore, and they run the other way. All sorts of crazy things happen out here on the dangerously tired end of this continuum. So our point here is to help us all learn how to live in this part yeah. of the continuum rather than inching over to, to dangerously tired. Yeah, because when you get into that dangerously tired yeah. zone, a good night's sleep does not doesn't, fix doesn't dangerously tired. Doesn't touch it, doesn't touch it, nope. It, it mm -hmm. takes a significant, and you would say yes. from your story, you were getting to the dangerously tired zone. Oh, absolutely. You, and uh, dangerously tired needs to be dealt with on all levels of our person. Yeah. So our body, our mind, and our soul, and our, you know, our, our mental capacities, our psyches, all of that needs to be rested. And there are very specific ways we can rest all parts of ourselves which yeah. I do write about an invitation to solitude and silence because I think we don't know how. how to do that. I don't think we know the difference of how to get rest on all those levels. How to care for each of those parts mm -hmm. of ourselves. Right. So, okay, so for someone who is hearing this and, and, and maybe would say, I think I might be dangerously tired or I'm yeah. getting close or mm -hmm. I just, I don't like the way my life is working right yeah. now. I think we're in a wonderful time and a challenging time where a lot of people are creating their own businesses and, run, mm -hmm. and running their own solopreneur yeah. kind of things yeah. and bleeding the margins between work and rest and on and off right. and all of that sort of stuff. So if someone were to want to start to incorporate this in their everyday life without becoming a monk mm -hmm. or without, you know, living in the desert. Yeah, I think we're past know. that. Most okay. of us in this room are past that kind okay, of a okay, choice. Okay, okay, okay. Just wanted so. to put that as an mm -hmm. option. Yep. But um, outside of that, how mm -hmm. do we incorporate this sacred yeah. rhythm, this blessed rest into our everyday yeah. lives? Well, I think we can start by just looking at the time frames that we all live our lives in. So we have days, we have weeks, we have months or quarters, and we have years, right? So to look at those time frames and figure out what do I need to do within each of those time frames. So let's look at daily for a minute. When we look at our daily lives, I would suggest two things. One is that you pay attention to your sleep. How much sleep do you need mm. in order to be well? Do you know that? 
Um, and to get out of that cycle of caffeinating and then using sleep aids and staying mm -hmm. in a cycle like that. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what we do and that's not healthy either. So first of all, to figure out how much sleep do I need to be well? Yes, yeah, th good, thank you, yes. It's water, yeah. it's yeah. water. Um, and coffee. Yeah, <laughs> he was just drinking in between is what you were really doing so you can be very good right mm -hmm. now. Um, so look at your daily rhythms of sleep. How much sleep do I need? And then when do I need to get up and back it up from there? Then when do I need to be in bed? Is it nine o'clock? And you know, what, and what am I doing before I go to bed? So there's your sleep and then there's solitude. I believe that solitude must first be cultivated for us as a place of rest in God before it can become anything else. Mm -hmm. And so solitude is a place of rest for the mind and soul. Wow. That is a place where we are open and receptive to God. And I would suggest even something as simple as 10 minutes if you can. That's, that's how I started. Feet flat on the floor, mm -hmm. hands open on your lap, expressing your receptivity in a prayer posture, breathing deeply as a way of coming in touch with the Spirit of God deep within. This is not a time for reading your self-help books or reading mm -hmm. through the Bible in a year or praying through your prayer plan or anything mm -hmm. like that. This is just open, receptive, rest myself in God. That is a very important aspect of rhythm for us, mm -hmm. is to have a regular place. In sleep, you're resting your body, but in solitude, you're resting your mind and your soul daily, even mm -hmm. if it's just 10 minutes. Then you've got your weekly rhythm, which would be your Sabbath rhythm. So you do your paid work in five days a week. You have the sixth day to do the work of being human, which is you know dry cleaning, washing the car, mowing the lawn, all those things we have to do. And then the seventh day is the day of rest in God. And what that means, though, is that the whole week is lived in such a way that we can practice Sabbath on the seventh day. And I think Jared's going to be saying much yeah, more about that next week. Next week. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very, um, it's a radical way to live. It it's radically different than what our culture presents to us. Yeah. And God, you know, had to actually knock me off my bike uh, in a biking accident to start to work in my heart on Sabbath keeping because I was so convinced that I was too important in the world to take a Sabbath that God had to actually stop me in my tracks. You literally got into an I accident. I did. Were... I did. And um, I survived, clearly, because I'm sitting here before you today. But at first, it was kind of frightening. And I, I had a fractured ankle, and I was bruised from the waist down. And I was trying to recover, but I went back to work the next day. And one of my <laughs> friends said to me, you know, Ruth, you did just get run over by a car. You could take a day yeah, off. I think you earned a day <laughs> off. Yeah. And I realized that even though God didn't cause that accident, God wanted to use that accident to really speak to me about my grandiosity, yeah. you know, in that way. So there's your, weekly, there's your weekly daily, rhythm. Weekly, yeah. And then retreat. Uh, retreat can be something that you do once a month or once a quarter, once every six months. But retreat is an extended period of time in solitude that you do regularly, maybe a couple times a year. And we do it quarterly, um, but that's oftentimes because, you know, leaders are, I don't know, they're a different sort and they're, they're they need more <laughs> to yeah. be tethered to the ground, yeah. but, um, to have extended time in solitude once, twice a year. And then, then your vacation, take your vacation, annual vacation, take it all and be unplugged while you're on vacation. Yes. I think technology has really created a problem for us, hasn't it? Yes. More than one. Yes. One of the problems is that we can always be connected. So because we can, we think we should. And then there's a set of expectation around it that everybody thinks we will be. Right. Right? As soon as you start to do that, you open the door. And Absolutely. People expect you to give an hour or two a day on That's vacation. That's right. Or they expect you to check in. Right. Well, I'm saying establish your vacation as sacred time as well. Yeah. And that's with your family. It's different than solitude. It's with your family. It's with your loved ones. But your annual vacation, take it and take it all. Yeah. So, uh, Ruth, I mean, this is 
this is amazing. And again, there's resources in the store if you want to kind of take this to a deeper dive. But I wonder uh, for you if uh, you have a hope for us or a, a prayer for us or even a practice for mm -hmm. us together as a community around what we've been talking about. Because these are big ideas, yeah. life-changing, transforming ideas that start small. Start with right. 10 minutes, start with a daily practice or a weekly practice. But I wonder what your hope or prayer, what you want to send us off with. Well, the prayer would be the prayer from Hebrews 4 that says that the invitation to rest is still open to the people of God. Do not harden your heart. So my prayer is that you'll hear the invitation and you won't harden your heart, that none of us will mm -hmm. harden our hearts by thinking we're too important to take our rest. I think also that in terms of entering into sacred rhythms of work and rest, there are two things that simply must happen. One is that we have to get in touch with the gift from God that rest really is. We have to know it as a gift, not a have to, not a should, not something that's too far out of reach, but we have to really know it's the best gift God could give yeah. us. It is the gift that makes me love God more, more and more and more because he yeah. knew to give us that. And then secondly, you have to be in touch with your desire for it. Don't do it because Jarrett and I sat up here and said inspiring things about it. Get in touch with your own longing and desire. And then move into these sacred rhythms from that place of desire. So I thought that to help us get in touch with both of those things, the gift that it is and our desire to say yes to it, that we could have a brief Sabbath moment here. I love it. We, practice it right and we now. practice it right now I for a moment. It. I hope this will do both things for you. I so go it. ahead and put your feet flat on the floor. I know you know how to do this. Back straight. Uh, our, our straight backs actually tell God with our bodies that we're open and available and alert to whatever he has to give. Uh, hands open on your lap as a symbol of your own receptivity. And breathe deeply as a way of coming in touch with the real presence of God deep within through the Holy Spirit that God has given. And then listen to this description of Sabbath and see if it doesn't, number one, get you in touch with the gift, and then number two, help you to touch your desire. Just breathe with it. There have to be times in your life when you move slow, times when you walk rather than run, settling into each step, times when you sit and gaze admiringly at the people you're with rather than jumping right into an agenda, Times when you receive food and drink with gratitude and vulnerability rather than gulping it down on the way to something else. Mm. Times when hugs linger rather than touching and springing apart so fast. Times when you read for the sheer pleasure of it, mm. marveling at the beauty of words, the endless creativity and putting them together. There have to be times when you sink into the comforts of home and become human again. Mm rather than using home as a hotel or a fast food restaurant. Mm. Times when you light a candle and find the place in you that loves and then prays out of that place. Times when you rest into God without forcing anything. Mm. There have to be times when you feel your sadness and let your tears come rather than blinking them back because you don't have time to cry. There have to be times to be soft, to be human, to cry over your own grief and the grief of all human experience, mistakes made, lost opportunities, unrequited love, unlived passion, your own imperfection, and how those have hurt others. There have to be times to weep for love and how hard it is to love and express it, even to those you love the most. To weep with your desire for God 
to sit in the empty places of one's soul and hear your questions echo. There have to be times to sit with your gratitude for the good gifts of God in your life that get forgotten in the rush. To celebrate, to play, to roll down hills, to splash in the water, to smush clay, to spread paint on paper or walls or each other. There have to be times to sit in silence and wait for the fullness of God who fills all emptiness. And when the fullness comes, almost more than you can hold, to sit in the wonder and the gratitude if you can even stand to be so full. There have to be times for the fullness of time where time has no meaning. Amen. Amen. What a gift. Can we thank Ruth for being who she is and for bringing us? Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. That was awesome. I, I just, Jean and I just love Ruth and the work that she's up to in the world and uh, she'll be around afterwards if you want to connect with her um, by the, the store that we have there. But here's your homework for this week. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Pay attention to what Ruth just talked about. Pay attention to your desire for rest and your lack of it. Look at your life. Do an assessment of your life this week and really pay attention to, am I distracting myself? Am I resting? Do I have a growing desire to actually connect with God at this level that he created me to live at? And then next week, we're going to get really spiritually practical with how we can begin to radically reorient our lives to actually live in the rhythm of blessed rest. And something I'm really uh, incredibly excited and uh, grateful for is how uh, serious Gene and I take this stuff. We don't just talk about it on stage. We really, like if you could have been in our house yesterday, we were on supreme chill mode in Team Stevens' house yesterday. We, re- we value this because of the work that God's called us to. We want to rest and come home and come down with ourselves, with God, with our family. And uh, I want to let you know about something uh, really, really cool that I'm very grateful for. Uh, that Jean and I are going to be doing uh, this summer. So to do that, I'm going to invite one of our elders, Carrie Hamstra Wright. So can we invite Carrie up onto the stage for just a minute? I feel like a talk show host, just bringing the next guest up. Uh, but Carrie and her husband, Brandon, have been part of our church from just about day one. She served as an elder in a previous session, is now currently one of our elders at our church, and she's something pretty cool she wants to share with you. Thank you, Jared, and thank you, Ruth, for such a needed message on rhythms of rest in our life. I am really excited, very honored to stand here on behalf of the elder team, both those that have served in the past and are currently serving. We are excited to make this announcement to you today. One of the high values of our elder team is to honor our lead pastors very well. And in that spirit and in the spirit of the message you heard today, I want to announce that our elder team has initiated an extended period of rest for Jared and Jeannie in the form of a 90-day sabbatical for them both. Yes, please celebrate that. If you have been around any church for any period of time, you know that burnout is high in the church and serving in the lead pastor role has very limited lifespan. And that has not been true for our pastors. They have been serving in full-time ministry for roughly 24 years and have done that without a sabbatical. 
And so we want to recognize that, we want to honor that, we want to thank them for all that they have done for God's kingdom, not only here at Soul City, but for his kingdom at large. Yeah. So Jarrett will be starting his sabbatical in June, and Jeannie will be starting hers in July. And the purpose of the sabbatical is for personal replenishment. It's to do the things you heard about today, to spend time with God. It's for soul care, to spend time with each other, to spend time with self, for professional development, and just really to refuel their tanks so that they can come back ready to serve Soul City Church for the long haul and the long run, which is what we desire and they desire. And so we've asked uh, Jared to share some highlights of his sabbatical, and then I would love for you to join me in prayer for them. If Jared specifically, as his sabbatical is first, I want you to know that they have proposed a detailed plan about their sabbatical to the elder team and have strategically planned that Soul City Church will be so well cared for in their absence. And that largely is in thanks to the exceptional staff we have here at Soul City. And we will have a dynamic, strong team of communicators coming in as well. So, Jerry? Yeah, uh, thanks, Gary. Is this on? Okay. Uh, this is a huge honor for Jeannie and I, and something we are very grateful for and don't take lightly. And um, as part of preparation for the sabbatical, as Gary mentioned, we've been talking about this with the elders for a while now. So, a couple weeks ago, I got my season pass to Six Flags, and I am really, <laughs> it's going to be a great. <laughs> That's actually a true story, but it's not what I'm doing on my sabbatical. We didn't but it is a true I did get my season pass. I'm very excited, but that's for something else. Um, so, yeah, quickly, uh, right after, I mean, it's what Ruth taught today. The first thing I'm going to do uh, right when it starts is pull away for three days of silence and solitude, of no, uh, the, no tech at all, no social media, all that's going to be off, um, to just pull away and rest and meditate and be still and replenish with God. And then there's some travel. I get to go see some mentors and friends uh, in California and the way the trip worked out um, just by God's perfect timing. It wasn't the original plan for the timing, but uh, because of some flight stuff, I'm actually going to be able to be with my dad on Father's Day. Um, so if you know, my dad had a stroke about a month and a half ago, and so I'm very grateful as a part of this time to just be able to be with him. Uh, and then there's going to be time um, with, on a retreat with Richard Rohr, and then another retreat at the end of the month, and then uh, family time uh, uh, that we're going to do some travel. Here's what's really fun. Uh, Jeannie is kicking off her time of rest by climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> she asked if I wanted to join her, and I used a non-churchy word and then said no. Um, <laughs> but we are going to meet her at the bottom. And uh, our whole family is actually going to uh, go and spend a couple days with the 650 kids that y'all are in partnership with in Kenya. So we get to be with our, our brothers and sisters in Kenya, and our kids are going to be with us, and then we're going to have some family time. And then Jean and I are actually pulling away for time for just us while the kids are away at camp, and we're very excited about that. So it's a really, it's a very restful and life-giving time and we are beyond grateful for the elders of this church and how they care for us and they care for this church and that they would allow us to do this. We're so very grateful. 
We are really blessed to have pastors that model rest for us and how we can all do that. And I'm so proud to be a part of a church that loves our lead pastors as we do. And I would love for you to stand and help me bless Jared as he moves into this, this chapter. If you're comfortable, Nabo, please raise your hand as a symbol of blessing over Jared's life and join me in prayer. Abba Father, I'm so thankful that you are our good shepherd. Your word tells us that as our shepherd, you lead us beside still waters. And at those waters, God, is where you restore our soul. And so I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you would be the ultimate soul restorer of Jared as he moves into this chapter, God. That you would open up his eyes with new wonders that you would help him to see you with a fresh lens, God, that he can come back to Soul City Church, fueled up, ready to pour out into your kingdom in this church, God. And I pray that you would give him the courage and the trust to rest, and that you too would give us that same courage and trust to rest, God, so that we can be all that you are calling us to be for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 